is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Unfortunately, America, I've come to the conclusion that the free world doesn't want to be free anymore. That so-called democracies don't want to be democracies anymore. That we've become weak. That we're all being destroyed from within from the same maladies. That is Marxism. And. Terrorism. Our academia is all in. It's all in. For the destruction of America. Because these Ivy League schools are not just Ivy League schools, the vast majority of our public institutions have been devoured by these forces. And Gramsci was right. And Hamas was right. What do you mean, Mark? Well, as I point out, and the Democrat Party hates America, Gramsci was a leading communist over a hundred years ago in Italy. He was a little man. He had uh, numerous physical defects. He was thrown in prison for a period of time uh, as he opposed not just the fascists, but he opposed democracy too. And he argued that Marx was wrong about one thing. The Marxist revolution won't come from the bottom up. It'll come from the top down. And then it'll come from the bottom up. In other words, take over the institutions, control the language, the belief and value systems, brainwash, use propaganda, control the culture, and your revolution will be successful. Lenin agreed. Stalin agreed. 
Of course, they all had to agree. Because most of these revolutions, these communist revolutions, do not come from the bottom up. They come from the top down in the name of the bottom up. When you take that ideology and you combine it with the Muslim Brotherhood or Hamas or Iran and the other Islamic terrorist Nazi regimes and Nazi ideologies. You can see what's happening. The Marxists have killed a hundred million human beings over the course of the last century or so. One hundred million. Mostly of their own people. Stalin slaughtered 30 to 40 million of his own people. Mao, 40 to 50 million of his own people. It amazes me when people say, well, look at Hamas, they're killing their own people. Well, of course they are. When you look through the lens of power, whether they're sort of soft autocracies like the Democrat Party or these very aggressive genocidal autocracies like Lenin and Stalin and Mao, the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, their terrorist offshoots and so forth. They seek to re-engineer society. They seek to re-engineer human beings. And so what's a couple million deaths here and there? And they will not and cannot tolerate anything but uniformity. And if you will not conform, for instance, with the Islamo-Nazi ideology, or you will not conform with the Marxist ideology, you're expendable. Because paradise, whether it's Marxist paradise, or paradise, whether it's the Islamist paradise, is unachievable. If anyone, anything, any faith, any group stands in their way. Now we, red-blooded Americans, we stand in the way of both. The Marxists and the Islamists. That's why we've been targeted over the decades. And that's why we will continue to be targeted from within and from without. These other ideologies in the form of regimes or terrorist operations, they cannot be successful, both in their minds and in reality, without destroying us. And if that means violence, it means violence. And if that means exterminating the Jews, it means exterminating the Jews. If that means one day Iran gets a nuclear missile and blows Los Angeles off the face of the earth, so be it. This is what Obama and Biden, our media, and the rest either don't understand or believe their ideology, which is a soft Marxism, can overcome. It cannot. 
what this soft Marxism does is it weakens America. They talk about defund the police. They've effectively defunded the military. They've effectively defunded the Border Patrol by their practices, by their policies. That is what they have done, and that's what they continue to do. And like the Marxists, and even like the Islamo-Nazis, propaganda is key. That's why you scratch your heads and are disgusted with the American media, and the European media for that matter, but mostly here in America, we read the American media. How can it be that the New York Times, for a second time, is on the side of the Nazis? How could it be that MSNBC has bigots and anti-Semites as hosts and guests? How could it be that moral equivalency is made between the victim and the perpetrator? And I would say this to Reuters as a footnote that is spewing all the Hamas propaganda as I speak, as are the others. If Hamas surrenders, then no children will die in the Gaza Strip. But Hamas is not going to surrender any more than the Marxists will surrender, any more than Hitler would surrender. As I explained in the Democrat Party Hates America, you've got to look at these institutions through the lens of power. Why is our border wide open? Does it serve the purposes of securing our nation, of protecting our people, the American citizenry? Of course not. It does the opposite. It's about power. It's about flipping Texas, changing the culture, the demographics, to empower the Democrat Party. I'm just explaining to you what nobody has explained to you yet. The overlay between Marxism and Nazism Islamic Nazism is more similar than dissimilar. It always amazed me, and I read an enormous amount about it, and I thought about it over time, how the fascists were always fighting the communists. In practicality, in reality, they had more in common than, than not. Marxism would press the argument that it's sort of in ideological model, and of course fascists would push the model that theirs is ideological too, but it really stems from one person or a handful of people. For the population, it doesn't matter. They're enslaved. They are enslaved. Now the only way to defeat these enemies is to defeat them. You can't negotiate with them. You have morals. You're good. They have no morals and they're evil. What are you negotiating for? Wasn't slavery evil in the United States or everywhere else for that matter? Should we have de-escalated during the Civil War? What about all the children and innocents who died during the Civil War? What about them? Could they be persuaded, the slaveholders, over time, 
to let those folks go? Or was it so evil it needed to be crushed? You don't negotiate with evil. You either destroy it or it destroys you. The West is losing this war of ideas and ideology, strategy, tactics. It's losing. Europe opened its borders. And now they've been overrun by immigrants, many of whom come from Arab and Muslim countries. In our own nation, we've been overrun with immigrants, many illegal, from all over the world. We have no idea who they are, none. But we literally have cities now and towns, overwhelming majority of which have attachments and share the culture with individuals in the Middle East, whether in Michigan, Dearborn, whether in Minnesota, Minneapolis, many other parts of our country. An Orthodox Jew with a beard, talis, black coat, yarmulke, they're not free to walk through these areas. They will be violently attacked. Hate crimes against Jews are way up and have been over the last decade or so. 2% of the population in America, 51% of the hate crimes. And as I've said here time and again, why don't they tell us who's doing these things? Surely they can put the statistics together. Who are committing these acts? Who are they? We know where most of them are occurring. Most of them are occurring, obviously where Jews are, but where individuals from the Middle East are. I don't really care if I'm attacked by the Hitlerian media in this country, the pro-Hamas media. I don't really care if I'm attacked by Democrats who have brought this to America and who continue to sustain it. I'm talking to you, my fellow Americans who still love this country and don't want to fundamentally transform it. That's what's going on. When you have Obama and Biden and Blinken and the rest of the American Marxists, and that's who Biden ultimately threw in with. First he threw in with the old Confederates. Now he's thrown in with the American Marxists because he's a chameleon. He's a dumb guy. He's a nasty guy. He always has been. But power is power. Joe Biden needed Bernie Sanders to become the nominee, and that's who he's thrown in with. They're destroying our country from within. People come into this country from other countries. We talk about assimilation. Well, what are they going to assimilate into now? Public education and our colleges and universities were considered places to assimilate people. Now they learn to hate America. Our media. When you have an autocratic party like the Democrat Party, you need an autocratic media. That's what we have with CNN and Politico and MSNBC, probably the worst. Reuters, AP, New York Times, Washington Post. We have an autocratic media. 
by the way, which also claims to believe in free speech and freedom of the press and stand with the people when they stand on our throats. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals there's other news so here and there i want to mention and mark meadows looks like cornered abc news is uh gonna have some kind of a plea deal with jack smith in washington those of you who listen to this program on a fairly regular basis know that i I mentioned several months ago, Mr. Producer, you may recall as well, that Meadows has been awfully silent. And that his name does not appear much in any of the filings by Jack Smith or in any of the leaks by the government. So unfortunately, I assumed that he was working for the government, and he probably is. I can't verify that until other media outlets discuss it at more length, perhaps Fox and so forth. But it's pretty clear to me that's what's going on. It's also pretty clear that that the DA prosecutor in the county of Fulton County, that the reason she indicted 19 people, including Donald Trump, is so she could flip some of them. And that appears to be what's taking place. One bogus lawsuit, prosecution after another, But this is how it works. I'll be right back. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals dot com. 
Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. There's a reason I call Ron DeSantis America's governor. Because there really is nobody like him. There really is nobody like him. This from Fox. DeSantis administration directs Florida universities to terminate student chapters that support Hamas terrorism. School administrators who support the groups could face suspension. We have 26 Republican governors. We have one who's taken actions like this. One. DeSantis. Because DeSantis understands the culture wars. He understands the culture wars. And DeSantis understands if you lose the culture wars, you lose your country. Not just your state, you lose your country. That's why when Nikki Haley attacked him over Disney and said, we'll take him in South Carolina, she came right off my list. That's why Chris Christie's a loser. And quite frankly, it's why Pence is a loser. There's really two people who understand this. And that's Trump. And DeSantis. And I would argue also Tim Scott understands it. But none of the others do. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, in coordination with the Chancellor of the state's university system, has moved to crack down on student groups in the state they say have expressed support for Hamas terrorism, which possibly involves terminating the student chapters and suspending school administrators. Quote, during a holy Jewish holiday, the recognized terrorist organization Hamas launched an unprovoked attack on Israel. Among those killed were babies, women, and elderly. Ray Rodriguez, chancellor of the State University System of Florida, wrote in a letter to the state universities obtained by Fox News Digital. And the other thing DeSantis understands is personnel is policy. That's his guy. The letter states that a student group present in at least two universities in the Florida system known as the National Students for Justice in Palestine. I've been talking about this now since October 7th here on Blaze on Fox. That group published a toolkit that refers to the Hamas operation as the resistance and says the Palestinian students in exile are part of this movement, not in solidarity with the movement. They're part of the movement. In other words, they're part of terrorism. The letter explains that it is a felony under Florida law to knowingly provide material support to a designated foreign terrorist organization. Hamas is a designated foreign terrorist organization. These chapters exist under the headship of the National Students for Justice in Palestine, who distributed a toolkit identifying themselves as part of the Operation Al-Aqsa Flood, Rodriguez writes. Based on the National Students for Justice in Palestine's support of terrorism, In consultation with Governor DeSantis, the student chapters must be deactivated. These two student chapters may form another organization that complies with Florida state statutes and university policies. But the two institutions should grant these two chapters a waiver for fall deadlines should reapplication take place. Rodriguez says in a letter that he will continue working with DeSantis' office to ensure we are using all our tools at our disposal to crack down on campus demonstrations that delve beyond First Amendment speech and the harmful support for terrorist groups. 
These measures can include necessary adverse employment actions and suspensions for school officials because they're expecting these these uh, administrative bureaucrats in these colleges and universities to resist. And they say, okay, you'll be suspended and removed. The letter states adding promoting excellent quality education while providing a safe environment for all students is paramount. So there you have the Santa say 2024 presidential candidate has been a vocal proponent of cracking down on and condemning the Hamas terrorist attack against Israel on October 7. They killed more than 1400 Israelis. He recently said he would cancel student visas and deport foreign nationals who celebrate Hamas if he's elected president. Exactly. DeSantis is also planning to call for a special legislative session in Florida to increase state sanctions on Iran, the main financial supporter of Hamas. Now, DeSantis allocated state resources to an evacuation operation that was responsible for chartering hundreds of stranded Americans in Israel on flights back to the U.S. and he movie touted it as being more efficient than efforts by the Biden administration. He said, we were able to fill the void. There was no leadership. And so we stepped up and we led DeSantis. Now, some of you may not support DeSantis. But he deserves credit and applause. Because he is America's governor. And he does things that no other governor will do. That no other governor has done. And this is one of them. Florida is a huge state. Could have easily elected a rhino. Could have easily elected a Democrat. He changed the state. It's now overwhelmingly Republican. You even had Democrat areas that were voted for him. For governor. So he deserves not disdain and attacks and all the rest of it. He should be acknowledged for the things that he's doing, whomever your candidate is. That's very, very important. And it really ought to be. Well, first of all, it's a testament. To how he and a conservative governor runs a state. But what he's doing should be copied by every other Republican governor in America. But it won't be, and it isn't. I'm sitting here in Virginia. I'm waiting for Governor Yunkin to do something like that. I think he's a good man, and maybe he will. He doesn't have a majority in the Senate. And by the way, I want to say something to Virginians out there, particularly Republicans or Democrats who are fed up with their party. You have a huge election coming up. Virginia has off-year elections. In Virginia, we hold the House of Delegates by a thread. In the state Senate, the Democrats hold the state Senate by a thread. We're being inundated with ads in Northern Virginia, paid for by God knows who. Abortion, 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 abortion. Apparently, every Republican opposes abortion at every stage, which is not true. I have a very strict view of abortion, but I'm not running for office. In Virginia, the Republican position is 15 weeks. 15 weeks. And the vast majority of Americans support that. The first 15 weeks, and that's it, with the exception for rape and incest. 
The Democrat Party, as you know, even though they deny it, but we've called them out here first, and now others are calling them out, and they should continue to believe in abortion on demand. And in fact, they don't even believe in saving the baby after it's born, which no civil society embraces, but the Democrat Party does. It's the same party that promoted eugenics. It's the same party that promoted slavery. It's the same party that promoted segregation. It's the same party that treated black people like animals. Let's stop playing games here. It's the party that welcomes the Hamas supporters into its midst. Joe Biden is not even, not even acknowledged or condemned the element within his own party. It is a party that does not accept America. That's why it hates America, as I keep explaining. Because it's true. I'm going to spend a little time edifying folks about Ehud Barak. Because I notice one of the liberals on our favorite cable network keeps trashing Netanyahu. It's kind of a strange thing to do in the middle of a war in Israel, don't you think? And then I notice more and more of the Democrat Party embeds in our media are doing the same thing. This guy, Thomas Freakman. Thomas Freakman, in my view, is a self-hating Jew. And he writes these columns not to edify America. He writes these columns because he knows that Joe Biden follows his columns. And Thomas Friedman has essentially been calling, I would argue, for a coup against the Netanyahu government every time the Netanyahu government is elected. He's a radical leftist who works for a newspaper that has blood on its hands, Jewish blood on its hands, and American blood on its hands. But he's not the only one. They bring in these saps, these lackeys, these lapdogs to keep talking about Netanyahu. Can it wait? Can it wait? No. If you go to a site like this site called Media Ike, they have like two rational human beings who post things, and then like 40 who are complete prebubescent kids. Always about Trump and the Republicans. Well, that's the media. They reflect the modern media. So I feel like if I don't address this, nobody will. And it's unfortunate that I have to. Because I don't really want to. Now is not the time. But when you go to that site media, I, I don't recommend it. You will see constant posts about Trump. Why? They get a lot of hits, make a lot of money off that. But they're obsessed. It's a psychological problem. They can't control it. And the Democrats and the media, same thing. So they're part of the same milieu as them. I'll be right back. Lovin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or a 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's 
L-E-V-I-N, to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Most of you don't know who Ehud Barak is, and for good reason. But he is a man who has raised money, dark money, money outside the United States, has brought in anybody and everybody who would topple the Netanyahu government. And he's supported by Democrats in America, liberals in America. You've seen some of them on TV. When they start trashing Netanyahu in the middle of a war, you understand how unserious and problematic these liberals are. Because they never give up. They're ideologues. David Weinberg is a columnist who wrote about this man in the Jerusalem Post a few months back. And again, most of you wouldn't know about this, because why would you? There's other things going on, but you need to know about it now. There are very specific people responsible for the degradation of Israel, with Ehud Barak taking first place in the ugly contest for the most hateful, most extreme, most seditious rabble-rouser of them all. And this guy appears on cable TV the way Thomas Friedman does, because these news people and these hosts don't do their homework, or some of them embrace it. So they have these useful idiots that they bring on. Former Prime Minister Ehud Barak appears at every anti-government protest rally and in every foreign television studio with preening self-confidence, sky-high arrogance, and the most untamed political language heard in this country in decades, meaning Israel. He savages Prime Minister Netanyahu and anybody to the right of him as dark and dangerous ultra-nationalists are undermining the foundations of Zionism and Israeli democracy, quote-unquote. I guess they're like MAGA Republicans, huh? I guess so. This guy's bad. He blabbers uncontrollably about Israel becoming, quote, a fascist state, unquote, in an apartheid country. He even called a recent Israeli Supreme Court ruling that went into Netanyahu's favor a Weimar Weimar Republic-like decision. That's the lead-up to the Nazis. This year, he has escalated his rhetoric to talk about the, quote, shattering of Israeli democracy, unquote, the darkest days Israel has known, quote, unquote, imminent dictatorship in Israel, quote, unquote, and silencing by the right wing. Sounds like the American left going after Trump, but this guy's bad, and he's supported by the left in our country, the Democrats, and Biden, and Thomas Friedman. In one speech I heard, he writes, Barack hurled the epithet fascist at Netanyahu three times, dictator, Justice Minister Levin four times, and apartheid at right-wing West Bank settlement policies another three times. He then accused all Israelis to his political right of wearing Nazi-style selection eyeglasses which is a disgusting political slur, whether used by an anti-Semitic non-Jew or a born-again wannabe Israeli leader. To this, Barack recently has added piercing, scornful characterizations of Netanyahu and his cabinet ministers as jokes, jackasses, pissers, dribblers, simpletons, people sick with autoimmune diseases. 
Barack delivers all this dreadful demagoguery alongside incessant use of the epithet messianic in describing policies of the right wing. This, of course, is supremely ironic since the only messianism that exists in abundance in Ehud Barak's presence is its own self-assurance. Whatever you think of Netanyahu's government or its judicial reform proposals, Barack's wild exaggerations and exceedingly belligerent characterizations are disgusting. And by the way, just like Peggy Noonan. Peggy Noonan who is a disgusting disgrace, little socialite. His use of near anti-Semitic pseudo-BDS language is unacceptable. His feral ambitions and savage hatreds clearly have propelled him off into the deep end. Worst of all, and by far worst of all, ready for this? Ready for this? Is the lead role that Barack has taken in calling for subversion of the IDF through mass refusal to serve by Israeli soldiers and reserve duty officers. This is written in July. There was a huge movement by Barack and Lapid and the whole Israeli left, supported by the Thomas Friedmans and the other reprobates in our own country, telling the military to undermine their own commander-in-chief. And part of that, in my humble opinion, is why on October 7th the government wasn't ready. Because of Ehud Barak, his supporters in Israel, and his supporters in America's media. Barak began barking about the need to refuse to serve in the IDF, quote, under dictatorship, unquote, at a February Haaretz conference. Quote, when a black flag of extreme illegality flies over an army order, it's not just the right of a soldier to obey that order, it's his obligation, that is, to disobey. We're now facing the civilian equivalent of black flag illegality. Our only obligation is to liberal democracy. We have no obligatory contract with dictators, and history will judge to purgatory all those who submit to the dictates of dictators. So he's telling the IDF, he's telling Mossad and all the rest, defy Netanyahu. After he wasn't going too far with his call for mutiny in the military, Barack responded with his charismatic, messianic self-possession that, quote, we are on the right side of history. And we are not afraid of anybody or anything. He specifically called upon, quote, Air Force pilots and frontline commandos to warn Netanyahu that if the so-called reasonably restricted legislation was passed, they would, quote, refuse to serve a dictatorship, period. Now you know why they weren't ready. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. So the left... And the media in Israel are like the left of the media in the United States. They hate their own country. 
They want to fundamentally transform it. They try to control the election results. In Israel, there's a battle over this uh, judicial tyranny, an oligarchy, where the leftists on the Supreme Court, they don't have a constitution, they're basic laws, uh, have seized the authority of the Knesset. They've done it since the 1990s under another Barak. And American scholars, including the late Bob Bork, used to write about how outrageous and authoritarian this Supreme Court Chief Justice is. And it's an incestuous situation where they appoint each other. And so Netanyahu offered some modest changes to limit their power and to give some back, not to him, but to the Knesset, and to limit some of their jurisdiction. The court has said so far, you don't have the authority to do that. And so what's happened in our country among the Democrat liberals and their columnists, and some of them are on TV, trashing Netanyahu right now as I speak. There's a day and time for politics. This wasn't it. But I've heard it now three times from the same person. That in fact, they like judicial tyranny if they control the judiciary. Even in our own countries, you all know. And so they're not defending democracy. And what Netanyahu was doing was not radical under any definition of radical. But they hate him. Because he keeps winning. And now they say, well, now he is an 80% negative. So now they care about what the people think. When he gets elected, they don't like what the people think. But when they're looking at a poll in the middle of a war, they mind. And what I'm saying to you here right now, for you, everybody in America, and the whole world to hear, including in Israel, that the Israeli left, backed by the American Democrat Party and left, backed by Joe Biden, Remember, he wouldn't meet with Netanyahu and all the rest? He wasn't even in support of the, the uh, burgeoning Saudi Arabia-Israel deal because they didn't give land to the Palestinians? Two-state solution? Listen to this insanity under these circumstances. Well, they wanted to destroy him. And you can see outright calling for mutiny. The IDF, Mossad. The military pilots, the jet pilots, not to show up. The frontline commandos, not to do, not to follow orders from their commander-in-chief, Netanyahu. This is coming from a former prime minister. My goodness. The columnist goes on. He goes on here. This is the place to remind readers of Ehud Barak's dismal political record. He was resoundingly defeated in the election of 2001 and 2009, leading the once all-powerful Labor Party to a nadir. In other words, it's weak. It's dead. His term as prime minister was blessedly the shortest term of any Israeli prime minister. He was responsible for the helter-skelter retreat from Lebanon, which led to the rise of Hezbollah. Sound familiar? His disastrous diplomatic policies led directly to the Second Intifada. This last point is especially important. Barack betrayed the trust Israelis had given him by agreeing at the July 2000 Camp David summit to divide Jerusalem and give away the Temple Mount to the Palestinians. 
This was a radical diplomatic departure from the platform on which he had campaigned and which he had reaffirmed publicly just two months earlier. This reckless gambit, for which Barack had no public mandate, terribly weakened Israel's political hold on Jerusalem. It heedlessly broke an important and rightful Israeli diplomatic taboo about maintaining Jerusalem united under Israeli sovereignty. This transgression undermined a core Jewish claim to legitimacy in Israel, which its source is rooted in the holiest place on earth for the Jews, Jerusalem's Temple Mount. It appreciably enfeebled Israel's diplomatic fortitude. It drove Palestinian expectations sky high and became the baseline for international demands that the city be split into two capitals. It later gave cover to other politicians on the left. It also promptly led to Yasser Arafat's so-called second intifada, the most murderous spree of Palestinian terrorism in Israeli history, uh, except for now October 7th. And Barack was involved in that, too, for the reasons I said. He was truly leading a civil war in his own country. People don't realize this in America. Backed by the Democrat Party leftists in our own country. And some of them you hear on TV, some of them are still writing columns, acting like they have no responsibility for what took place. And they surely do. Arafat incorrectly assumed that all Israelis would be a supine as Barack, that several dozen bus bombers will push Israelis over the edge and bring about capitulation in Jerusalem and across Judea and Samaria. And sure enough, Barack almost gave away the store at the January 2001 Taba summit. After his government had fallen, and despite the raging intifada, for the first time, an Israeli prime minister imprudently accepted the 1967 lines and 97% of Judea and Samaria, their homeland, the so-called West Bank, as the basis for a Palestinian state. In other words, he was going to give away most of Jerusalem, the holiest site for the Jews in Jerusalem, and 97% of Judea and Samaria. Fortunately, Barack was swiftly kicked out of, and this guy is backed by liberal Democrats in this country, especially self-hating Jews, liberal Democrat Jews like Thomas Friedman. He was swiftly kicked out of office <clears throat> And Israeli proved far more resilient and loyal to their principles than either Barack or Arafat imagined. Barack has never expressed remorse for his flagrant offenses, for the near plundering of Jerusalem, for his near subversion of democracy. God only imagines to what insane ends of surrender Barack might go if he were to regain the reins of power. I believe this is why Israel may have had its guard down. Because the media threw in with Ehud Barak. The Biden administration threw in with Ehud Barak. The minority parties led by Lapid and the Arab parties threw in with Ehud Barak. The colleges and universities threw in with Ehud Barak. The woke and left-wing elements, believe it or not, of the Israeli military threw in with Ehud Barak. Much of this was funded by American dark money overseas, as well as money within the borders of Israel. All of it was supported by Thomas Friedman. All of it was supported by liberal Democrats that you see now commenting on various cable shows, columnists in various newspapers. And so today they say the public hates Netanyahu. And they said that when Netanyahu was elected. I don't know what's going to happen to Netanyahu. But why are they still focused on this? 
Because they hate Netanyahu more than they hate Hamas. That's why. That's why. Their obsession with power, the centralization of power, blinds them to everything. Blinds the Democrat Party in our own country. Blinds the minority parties in Israel. It's really quite repulsive. And Joe Biden has nothing but contempt for Netanyahu, and he's acting like he's the commander-in-chief of our military and the Israeli military, which is shocking, absolutely stunning. And I want to tell something to the conga line and boring and repetitious reporters and news hosts and all the rest of them. You keep saying, will the war widen in the Middle East? Yes, it will. If the enemy sees weakness. If the enemy sees strength, it might not. But if the enemy sees weakness, of course it will. These are not rational human beings. These are evil subhumans. These are Nazis. That's what they are. And even the Nazis tried to hide what they did at Auschwitz and the other camps. And I want to salute the Reagan Library. They have an entire Auschwitz exhibit. It spent years to put it together. And before Julie and I and Sylvia, my mother-in-law, went to the event, the book signing and all the rest of it, we took a tour of that exhibit. They've extended the exhibit given what's taken place. And it's horrific. And one day we'll be taking another tour about what happened on October 7, 2023. One day we'll be taking another tour with live videos provided by the enemy. The free world came together. Came together to defeat the Nazis. And the Axis powers all. They understood right from wrong, good from evil. The media rooted for America. Even the New York Times, which covered up the Holocaust. But they wanted America to win. Our media today do not want America to win. These ideologies, these infiltrations that have taken place have changed everything. Everything. So we have a fifth column in our own country. The Democrat Party and their media. They cannot be counted on, even in circumstances like this. Oh, they have their fig leaves. They'll tell you, oh, we have two, two fleets there, we're doing this. That's fine. But the mealy mouth talk and all the rest... We now have 14 
military personnel have been injured by the Iranian regimes and their surrogates. The Iranian regime and their surrogates. Fourteen. And we've done nothing. And so they'll ratchet it up. And they'll ratchet it up some more. Then we have a White House who keeps saying, we don't want Hezbollah to get involved. We don't want Hezbollah to get involved. I keep telling you this. And what does that mean? Hezbollah hears it. Oh, okay. They don't want us to get involved. Maybe we should. And where was Biden over the weekend, Mr. Producer? He was on the beach in Delaware. On the beach. Sick. He's sick. They're all sick. And disgusting. And so this is where we are. The UN Secretary General. It's not the United Nations. It's the United Nazis. Henceforth. Basically attacks Israel with his moral equivalency. If only the Jews and only the Israelis didn't treat all these peaceful Palestinians. And by the way, the peaceful Palestinians are committing acts of terrorism as I speak in Judea and Samaria, a.k.a. the West Bank. Peaceful, don't you know. So they keep saying, of course, America has the right to defend, excuse me, Israel has the right to defend itself, but they don't mean it. And then Nicole Wallace, who is a complete, sick, unhinged buffoon. The world would be a much more dangerous place if Trump were president right now. This Trump stuff is amazing, isn't it? You know, Nicole, you're a sick, low IQ, former Republican operative who threw every principle you really never had, I guess, to the wind to be a host on MSNBC with many of your bigoted and racist friends. Give Al Sharpton my best. Actually, give him my worst next time you see him in the hallway. I'll be right back. Lovin. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans. About a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation. And Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day. But they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this cause and you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service and pure talks plans start at just 20 bucks a month offering unlimited talk unlimited text more data and a mobile hotspot just go to puretalk.com slash levin l-e-v-i-n and make the switch let's rally together show our unwavering support for our veterans get the best service at the best price as well visit puretalk.com slash levin puretalk.com slash l-e-v-i-n and switch to pure talk today in less than 10 minutes it's the right move and it's the American way. Well, we do what we can here to promote the truth, and I will continue to do that. And I want you to listen to the UN Secretary General today, 
That's why it's called the United Nazis, as far as I'm concerned. Of all the countries in the world, the one country that is attacked by one resolution after another is Israel. And the reasons are obvious. Cut three, go. It is important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. They have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements and plagued by violence. Their economy stifled, their people displaced, and their homes demolished. Shut up, you, you broken English moron. There he is, the head of the United Nazis, the Secretary General. Yeah, that fits nicely with the Marxists or fascists. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's, that's, that's right. Shut up, you puke. I'll be right back. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans. About a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation. And Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day. But they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this noble cause and you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service and pure talks plans start at just 20 bucks a month offering unlimited talk unlimited text more data and a mobile hotspot just go to puretalk.com slash levin l-e-v-i-n and make the switch let's rally together show our unwavering support for our veterans get the best service at the best price as well visit puretalk.com slash levin puretalk.com slash l-e-v-i-n and switch to pure talk today in less than 10 minutes it's the right move and it's the American way. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. You know, folks, I have very exciting news for you. First of all, I was one of the founders and a gentleman named Carrie Katz, great patriot of Conservative Review TV with the Liberty Scores and so forth and so on. And we founded it, gee, I guess it's almost nine years ago. It's a fantastic platform. And uh, really, we never got rid of it. Glenn Beck is the founder of The Blaze. And so Glenn Beck had an idea. And he came to us and he said, I have an idea. Why don't we join resources, join join hosts and talent, become even bigger and better. And out of that came Blaze TV. From the Blaze and Conservative Review TV came Blaze TV. I stepped out of the management of it, as did Glenn, because we're content-oriented broadcasters. It doesn't mean we still don't provide our opinions and so forth. And it has become this fantastic site. And in fact, what is it now? About eight or nine months ago, I re-upped with the company I helped found, 
for several more years. Because I'm proud of what we do. But I'm even prouder tonight. I'm prouder tonight because I have some very exciting news for you folks. This is exciting to me. I know it's exciting to Glenn and all the people, hosts, and all the other folks that work to make Blaze possible. And there's a lot of us. Blaze TV Plus. Now, what does that mean? We've been spending several years with new technologies, with new platforms, with new subject matter, new areas of interest, to expand our presentation to you and to make it easier to navigate and to make it more intriguing and even interesting than it was. So as of today, the Blaze is now Blaze TV+. Plus. And it's really a big deal. We're the first major platform to eliminate all advertisements. There will no longer be sponsors. There will no longer be advertisements. Meaning we are entirely subscription-based. Meaning it's entirely up to you. We don't want any interference. We don't want any pressure. We don't want any obligations to anybody else. Except you, the subscriber, the viewer. This makes Blaze TV Plus the most independent conservative news and entertainment company on the planet. And our entire business will be responsive to and serving our subscribers. That is you. Period. Because without you, we won't be around. We're also expanding our offerings across the board, increasing both the value and information available to you and making access to all of it easier and faster. This is the next step in independent conservative news and entertainment. That's right, and entertainment. And we are, once again, the pioneers. Now more than ever, Blaze TV Plus is exactly what American patriots have ordered. This is what you wanted. We've talked to many of our subscribers. They want more, they want better. And they want it faster. So here we go. Without any commercials. Without any third-party sponsors. Period. So I'd really like you to check it out. I'd really like you to check it out. Now where do you go to check it out? You go to theblaze.com. I have the link on all my social sites. Go to theblaze.com and scroll through and see what we're doing. See how exciting it is. We'll continue to be your source for the news you already enjoy, sharpening our coverage on stories that matter. We're going to expand our opinion section. A lot of people are making noise on social media and outdated cable TV stations. We need more sane and reasoned discussion. Whether it's from me or other wonderful hosts and voices. Without filters. We're also going to expand our analysis and investigative news reach. Especially when it comes to stories that other outlets refuse to cover. 
Also, lifestyle. It's tough out there. Much of the culture is fostered by corporations who don't share our values. Well, we don't want to hand over any more of our money to people who hate us, do we? And so our values are aligned with yours in your daily life. The good news is that from the sudden rise of dissenting heroes and popular new artists to the decline of storied brands like Bud Light and Disney into wokeness, a commercial cultural revolution is brewing. But no one has yet given it a name. Corporations and media do their best to hide it. You've, you've only seen the tip of the iceberg. There are people you've never heard of in business, entertainment, technology, getting out from under woke capital, creating amazing new products and services. We're going to work with them. We'll start shining a light on all these folks. So you have access to them. They're smothered. They're devoured. Now, whoever controls digital technology controls the world. Digital technology is reshaping governments, the workplace, the economy, our way of life. It's being used increasingly in tyrannical ways by our government, along with big corporatists to spy on us, to control our speech, banking, economic activity. How can we use technology to make our lives better and freer? Return will be our new tech vertical called Return. We'll explore answers to these questions, giving you practical tips and product reviews on emerging tools for privacy, decentralization, and digital sovereignty. We need to remember also to have fun. Of course, most fun in this country has been politicized by the left. Comedians, Movies, plays, poetry. But we need to live joyfully with hope. We need to laugh. We need to share stories. We need to sing songs. You can sing. I typically whistle. But it's always been a key part of the vision for Blaze Media. And we're going to bring more coverage of it to you, as well as exciting new original content that we'll announce soon that we are going to create. And through it all, Blaze Media will continue to serve as the independent voice It has been since Glenn and I co-founded this company in 2018. Haters scoffed at us. They're not laughing now. The mainstream networks have devolved into government-approved propaganda mills. Blaze Media has risen as a vital source and voice for millions. We are so very thankful for your support. And we want more and more of you to join us. It's not enough to just turn off the tube. Turn us on. I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to work hard to bring you more of you want and deserve. And it is our mission to forge an American way of life in the 21st century worthy of the name for ourselves and our children. But we can do that simply by starting to come together to find ways to practically better our lives and communities in whatever situation we find ourselves. This is our country. We're not going to give it up. The frontier where our hearts and minds are truly tested is always within us. And this is the frontier, the pioneers, that we believe is the future. And we want you to join us. Join us. If you haven't already subscribed, join us. And as Matthew Peterson, editor-in-chief of Blaze Media, says, all of us look forward to bringing you 
more of the information and insight you need to live well. And we humbly thank you for your support in the days ahead. Theblaze.com. You don't have to memorize it. I've linked it on all my social platforms. You can check it out. And uh, I think you're going to be really excited about it. I know we are. The hosts are. The people who make Blaze work behind the scenes, they're very excited. And we have poured our blood, sweat, tears, and resources into this effort. Because we see what's going on in this country. We see the media today. And we're sick of looking at it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I have to tell you something that speaks to the very core of our values as Americans, about a veteran-owned company on a mission to make a real difference in the lives of our military members. And of course, I'm talking about our great sponsor, Pure Talk. I absolutely love what they're doing. Our veterans gave everything to protect our nation, and Pure Talk understands the sacrifices they've made. Now, they've set an ambitious goal to eliminate $10 million in military debt by Veterans Day, but they can't do it alone. They need your help. When you switch to Pure Talk's lightning-fast 5G network, they'll donate a portion of every new order to this no cause. And you can make a real difference just by choosing superior cell phone service. And Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, unlimited text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, and make the switch. Let's rally together, show our unwavering support for our veterans, get the best service at the best price as well. Visit puretalk.com slash Levin, puretalk.com slash L-E-V-I-N, and switch to Pure Talk today in less than 10 minutes. It's the right move, and it's the American way. All right, I want you to listen to this. This is a Hamas Nazi in Arabic on October 7th. Cut eight, go. افتح الواتس سبع كل ايام شوف كيف قتله شوف كيف قتلت فيديو يا ابن قتل يهود هاي دخل مفلسين يا ابا يا ابا قاعد اكلمك من جوال يهوديه قتلتها وقتلت جوزها 10 فيديو يابا قتلت 10 يابا 10 فيديو قتلت يابا افتح الواتس شوف كيف قتلت يابا And what he's saying that little desert rat It's a conversation between a Hamas terrorist on October 7th and his father. He stole the phone from one of the Israelis he slaughtered. He's bragging about killing 10 Jews with his own hands. He's very excited as you can hear, quote, Dad, I'm calling you from the phone of a Jew. I just killed her and her husband. With my own hands, I killed 10. Can't we have a two-state solution? Can't we have a two-state solution? That's right. When an entire culture views you, here are Jewish people, as non-human beings, as unworthy of life. What's to discuss? What's to negotiate? Except how you destroy them before they destroy you. This is what Reuters, the Associated Press, 
the New York Times and the Washington Post, NBC, MSNBC, CBS, CNN, ABC. This is what these people, the Associated Press and Reuters, this is what they don't give a damn about. You know why? Because many of the people at these corporations don't view Jews as human beings either. The Secretary General of the United Nazis, he doesn't view the Jews as human beings. Now they talk about the Palestinians in Gaza. <clears throat> the Palestinians were given Gaza that was conquered by the Israelis in 1967. That's Egyptian land and they don't want anything to do with it. And in 2005, they pulled out all the Jews and everybody else and said to the Palestinians, okay, this is yours. This is yours. And Fatah, the terrorist organization, so-called moderates, what kind of terrorist organization is moderates? They took over the government there, then they held an election, Fatah and Hamas. Hamas thinks Fatah is weak, doesn't slaughter enough Jews. Even though the head of Fatah, as I told you, Abbas, funded and strategized and orchestrated the slaughter at the Munich Olympics in 1972 of the Jewish Olympic athletes who were tortured. So the Palestinians vote and they vote for Hamas. You know, they want peace, even though Hamas is a terrorist organization and they want war with the Jews. So we're told they don't represent the Palestinians, but they voted them in. Well, they didn't know what they were. Yes, they did know what they were. They know exactly what they were. And so, that's your two-state solution, which, as far as the Palestinian terrorists are concerned, is the final solution. But the difference now is that the world is not organizing. It's not organizing to destroy the Islamo-Nazis. It seeks peace in our time with the Islamo-Nazis. And that is, that continues, that's why we're going to lose. And it won't be pretty. We'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number is 877 I would be remiss... I didn't mention a few things here. Number one, the judge in the civil case in New York fining Donald Trump $5,000. There's no basis for that, whether he likes what Donald Trump said or not. It's not possible to influence a jury since it's not a jury trial. He didn't threaten anybody, period. The $5,000 was an effort by this elected radical Democrat judge to try and put a scarlet letter on Trump. It's a de minimis amount, but it receives a ton of attention. A defendant has a right to speak out to defend himself. There's no Robert's Rules of Order. Obviously, you don't have the right to make a threat that could be perceived as a direct threat of violence or creating a direct threat of violence, but that is a very tall order. Meanwhile, the judge in D.C., even before the clown in New York, Tanya Chunkin, who should have recused herself because she's not a judge, she's a hatchet man. She stayed her own order. You might recall that when she issued that censorship order, I was the first to denounce it. The media were spinning it the way the judge and the prosecutors wanted it spun. That the prosecution got half of what they wanted. No, they got all of what they wanted. He can't criticize the prosecutors or the prosecutor's staff or the judge. Your liberty's on the line. The prosecutor has just said everything the prosecutor wants to say about you. They leak it. And they said it openly in what we call speaking indictment, a talking indictment. Laying it all out, making accusations. Of course a defendant has a right to defend himself and to say things publicly since it's a public trial. And the prosecution has made their allegations publicly. And moreover, he's running for president of the United States and everybody knew it when they brought the charges. You also see people are making plea deals in Georgia. And I'm sorry to say, that's outrageous. That case in Georgia is a phony case. That people are running scared. Or they want to even the score, or whatever the hell they want. People say they were misled. No, they weren't. They're all adults. Many of them are lawyers. Misled from what? By whom? I have no stomach for this. And then here's the biggest of the bunch. 
Mark Meadows. You know, Mark Meadows likes to talk a lot. He wrote a book. He talked a lot. Apparently he's talking a lot to the prosecution. Talking a lot, but not publicly about many of these matters. You know, when the uh, Kevin McCarthy battle was going on, 15 rounds of voting, the invisible hand in part behind that came out of CPI. That's an organization on Capitol Hill that is heavily funded by multi-billionaires and so forth, which is fine by me. I have no problem with it. But it was the headquarters for what you see going on today. For what you see going on today. And Mark Meadows works at CPI. I got a call from Mark Meadows, unsolicited, out of the blue. I hadn't heard from the man in God knows how long. I didn't really keep up with Mark Meadows. I didn't send him texts left and right. I didn't do that sort of thing. Other people did. I try to keep my own counsel. Most of the things I say, I say to you anyway. In his great wisdom and profundity, he said, you shouldn't call these guys boneheads. I said, what the hell, are you involved in this, Mark? No, no, I probably shouldn't get involved. I'm just giving you my opinion. I said, well, why do I care what your opinion is? Oh, you're right. And then skedaddled. That was it. First time I've talked to him in God knows how long. Last time I've talked to him in God knows how long. But he and others at CPI were behind all that and obviously brought us to this place with the other eight. Those boneheads put us in a position now where we're, we're seeing names of leftists. Should we work out deals with Hakeem? It's just pathetic. But that's not the point. ABC News is reporting as follows. Take it. It's ABC News, but I'm going to base my thoughts on this. Ex-Chief of Staff Mark Meadows granted immunity tells special counsel he warned Trump about 2020 claims sources. Now this is what's amazing about putting a gag order on Trump when the prosecution's leaking. Leaking to ABC News. Former President Donald Trump's final chief of staff in the White House, Mark Meadows, has spoken with special counsel Jack Smith's team at least three times this year, including once before a federal grand jury, which came only after Smith granted Meadows immunity to testify under oath, according to sources familiar with the matter. This is where you have the rats jumping the ship, the cut-and-run guys. And this is what prosecutors rely on. The sources said Meadows informed Smith's team that he repeatedly told Trump in the weeks after the 2020 presidential election that the allegations of significant voting fraud coming in them were baseless, a striking break from Trump's prolific rhetoric regarding the election. By the way, none of this is illegal. None of this is illegal. But then again, we're not talking about a real judicial system in Washington, D.C. The sources said Meadows informed Smith's team that he repeatedly told Trump in the weeks after the 2020 presidential election that the allegations of significant voting fraud coming to them were baseless. A striking break from Trump's prolific rhetoric regarding the election. Now, the leak either comes from Meadows' legal team, it comes from Jack Smith's legal team, or it comes from the Department of Justice. 
one of the three. There's no other choice. According to the sources, Meadows also told the federal investigators Trump was being dishonest with the public when he first claimed to have won the election only hours after polls closed on November 3 before final results were in. Obviously, we didn't win, a source quoted Meadows as telling Smith's team in hindsight. I believe this is coming from the prosecutors. It's coming from Smith's team. Now, if Tanya Chunkin weren't honest, an objective judge, she'd immediately want to get to the bottom of this. She doesn't need a motion from Trump's lawyers or anybody else. She's there to protect the courtroom and the process, due process, of what's going on in the courtroom. She has the power on her own to direct a contempt investigation and potentially a due process violation, a Fifth Amendment investigation. But she won't. Surprise me, Judge, do it. But she won't. Trump has called Meadows, one of the former president's closest and highest ranking aides in the White House, a special friend and a great chief of staff, as good as it gets. Apparently not. The description of what Meadows allegedly told investigators shed further light on the evidence Smith's team has amassed. So prosecutes Trump for allegedly trying to unlawfully retain power and spread lies. You're allowed to spread lies, by the way. I, I don't understand this. The dis- I'm not saying he did, but that's not a crime. If it were a crime, the media would be in prison all over the place, like media, media matters and all those guys. The descriptions also expose how far Trump loyalists like Meadows have gone to support and defend Trump. Sources told ABC News... You see how this is set up? This is one of his closest aides. Trump loved the guy. He went way out of his way to be loyal to Trump, to defend him on the voting stuff, to invent him on the election stuff. But now he's prepared to tell the truth. So how can you attack the character of this fine man? Who you yourself called the greatest of greats. Sources told ABC News Smith's investigators were keenly interested in questioning Meadows about election-related conversations that he had with Trump during his final months in office and whether Meadows actually believed some of the claims he included in a book he published after Trump left office, a book that promised to, quote, correct the record on Trump. Oh, ABC News has identified several assertions in the book that appear to be contradicted by what Meadows allegedly told investigators behind closed doors. Now, you know why that's being leaked out? Because the prosecutors are telling you what issues they're going to have to be prepared for and that they will be prepared for them. According to Meadows' book, the election was stolen and rigged with help from allies in the liberal media who ignored actual evidence of fraud right there in plain sight for anyone to access and analyze, quote-unquote. But as described ABC News, Meadows privately told Smith's investigators that, to this day, he's yet to see any evidence of fraud that would have kept now President Joe Biden from the White House, and he told them he agrees with a government assessment at the time that the 2020 president election was the most secure election in U.S. history. What? It clearly wasn't the most secure election in U.S. history. And how would he even know that? There were at least, there were fewer guardrails on that election than any in my lifetime. But what is this either? It was the most secure election in U.S. history? Again, this is what ABC News is reporting. They won't tell us the source because, of course, they're not going to. 
Trump was already questioning the integrity of the election months before Election Day. Then within hours of polls closing on November 3, as Trump was beginning to lose key states, Trump claimed on national TV that it was all major fraud. Frankly, we did win the election, Trump declared. Meadows told investigators earlier this year that he's long believed Trump was being dishonest. When he made that statement, given the fact that votes were still being counted and the results from several states were not yet in. Nevertheless, public... So I guess we're going to have to arrest Mr. Producer, Al Gore, and all these other people, Hillary Clinton, and the rest of them who lied about Trump winning the 2016 election, right? Nevertheless, public testimony has shown that in the weeks after the election, Meadows helped Trump vet allegations of fraud that were making their way to Trump from people like Rudy Giuliani, whom Trump put in charge of legal efforts to keep Trump in the White House. You're allowed to have legal efforts to try and keep you in the White House. You're allowed to fight to the bitter end. Say what you want. Litigate. This has been done since the beginning. The Meadows said that by mid-December, he privately informed Trump that Giuliani hadn't produced any evidence to back up the many allegations he was making. Then Attorney General Bill Barr also informed Trump and Meadows in an Oval Office meeting that allegations of election fraud were not panning out, as Barr recounted in testimony to Congress last year. So, Meadows has said publicly that he believed, quote, a number of allegations, unquote, still warranted further investigation, that he hadn't reached a conclusion on the election overall by late December. So, in other words, he's changed, according to this report. Also, by then, Trump had run out of legal options. Trump had run out of legal options when the U.S. Supreme Court on December 11, 2020, denied his final court challenge. Trump told Meadows something to the effect, "Then that's the end." So that's it. Meadows recalled to investigators, according to sources, they're quoting him. So it has to be Smith's office. You don't have to be, you know, uh, some genius detective to figure this out. Still, Trump wouldn't back down, insisting there was widespread fraud, but that the Justice Department wasn't looking for it. Barr recalled. While speaking with investigators, Meadows was specifically asked if Trump ever acknowledged to him that he'd lost the election. Meadows told investigators he never heard Trump say that. That won't help the prosecutors. On January 2, 2021, Meadows helped set up the now infamous phone call between Trump and Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, during which Trump pressed Raffensperger to find 11,780 votes because we won the state. That's not the context of that quote, and ABC News knows it. He didn't say, find the votes so we can win. He wanted to know if there were more votes out there because some of the Republican areas hadn't come in. You see how this is spun? Meadows has said publicly that he essentially introduced everyone on the call, which is corroborated by transcripts of the call that were made public, and he has said he was simply trying to help them resolve a dispute with Georgia's election results. On the call, Trump mentioned allegations of fraudulent ballots hidden in suitcases and so forth. As described ABC News, Meadows told Smith's investigators that around that time, there were many times he wanted to resign over concerns that the way certain allegations of fraud were being handled, it could have a negative impact, but he ultimately didn't leave because he wanted to help ensure a peaceful transfer of power. Well, of course. Aided by a ghostwriter, they all had ghostwriters except me, all of them. Meadows published his book, The Chief Chief, nearly a year after Trump left office. Now, you know I didn't interview him, right? You remember that, Mr. Producer. I wouldn't interview him. There was something that didn't smell right to me. 
The sheer volume of falsehoods that have been published about the president's time in the White House is astounding, the book says. I consider this book a small opportunity to correct the record. Trump even promoted the book himself. Well, why wouldn't he? But sources told ABC News that when speaking with Smith's investigators, Meadows conceded that he doesn't actually believe some of the statements in his book. Well, that will be a major area of attacking his character. That is his believability. Meadows told investigators he doesn't agree with what's in his book when it says our many referrals to the Department of Justice were not seriously investigated. Meadows told investigators he believes justice was taking allegations of fraud seriously, properly investigating them, and doing all. But he doesn't know if they were or not. How would he know? Despite Meadows telling investigators that Giuliani never produced evidence of significant fraud in the election, his book refers to Giuliani's efforts to expose the fraud and the dirty tricks on election night. Wow. Now you see the ugly underbelly, underside, of how prosecutors work and how people buckle. I don't know, those of you who bought his book, maybe you should ask the publisher to return your money. Don't you think, Mr. Producer? If this story is true, if, it sounds like they have a lot of details that's coming from somewhere including quotation marks. But ABC News really doesn't care about the American people. It's on a mission. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. One of the uh, reprobates, I would argue, bigots... On MSNBC is Mehdi Hassan. You remember he had to apologize for truly disgusting comments he made. Up there with uh, Joy Reid, who also has a primetime show. I want you to listen to this. He's back. And this is from Friday. Cut 10, go. And it's interesting that he decided to do a rather bold speech linking Ukraine and Israel because a senior G7 diplomat spoke to the Financial Times this week and said, this crisis in Gaza, this war, it means the global south will never listen to us again. They're never going to listen to us about rules-based orders. We're never going to get through to them because they see a double standard. And it's interesting that he did a whole thing about Hamas and Russia. And linking them together was a slightly axis of evilly, uh, pulling them together because they've really got very little in common just when you look at them. Because a lot in the rest of the world would say, OK, if you're going to compare Ukraine and Israel, Biden and a lot of people in America may see Ukraine and Israel as the same. A lot of people around the world see Russia and Israel the same. Right. Yeah. They see Russia occupying and invading another country and annexing land and dropping. And he says Israel is the occupier. The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. His name is Mehdi Hassan at MSLSD. I seem to recall I heard somewhere that he used to work with Al Jazeera, which of course is owned by Qatar, which of course is protecting the leadership of Hamas. If I'm wrong, sorry Mehdi, but I don't think I am. So we were cut off by the break. I want you to listen to this guy, because he's back. And I want you to look at the whole lineup of MSNBC. It's filled with bigots and racists and anti-Semites, past and present. 
It's filled with American-hating buffoons. Self-promoting grifters. Cut 10. Go. And it's interesting that he decided to do a rather bold speech linking Ukraine and Israel because a senior G7 diplomat spoke to the Financial Times this week and said, this crisis in Gaza, this war, it means the global south will never listen to us again. They're never going to listen to us about rules-based orders. We're never going to get through to them because they see a double standard. And it's interesting that he did a whole thing about... I want to remind you, of course, that the Jews were slaughtered in atrocious, horrendous ways. And listen to me, he's almost excited. Go ahead. Together, it was a slightly axis of evilly, uh, pulling them together, because they've really got very little in common just when you look at them. Because a lot in the rest of the world would say, okay, if you're going to compare Ukraine and Israel, Biden and a lot of people in America may see Ukraine and Israel as the same. A lot of people around the world see Russia and Israel the same. They see Russia occupying and invading another country. I guess that's why Russia backs Hamas. But listen to this sicko. Go ahead dropping bombs on civilians and saying, hey, human shields. And they see Israel doing that in Gaza. Israel is the occupier of the West Bank and Gaza. So that kind of stuff. I know Israel is the occupier, you see, of the West Bank and Gaza. Did you know that? No, yes, it's, it's, it's well known. Go ahead. The U.S. on television in Congress. I'm glad you asked the question because that's what the rest of the world is talking about. That's why America's foreign policy is so unpopular, especially in the Middle East. Mm. No, it's unpopular in the Middle East because we believe in liberty and humanity, and most of those occupying the Arab countries do not. They treat their own people like crap. They treat their own women like crap. They treat their own children like crap. I want you to think about it, America. The Arab countries, particularly a couple of them, are sitting on more oil than the rest of the world has. So why aren't they helping their brothers and sisters in the Palestinian Authority and in the Gaza Strip? And maybe Mr. Hassan can show us when were the first Palestinians in the so-called West Bank and ask him, why does he call it the West Bank? Jordan's property? Unbelievable. This guy is a loathsome lowlife. He's not a journalist. He knows what he is, and I know what he is. And he employs these dishonest tactics, these phony, phony history lessons, if you will, revisionism. Just incredible who this guy is and what he does. And, of course, if MSNBC doesn't allow him on, then MSNBC is accused of being anti-Muslim. Oh, sure. He's an award-winning journalist, you see. As you would think he would be. He's an award-winning journalist. And he did work for Al Jazeera in Washington. That is Qatar-owned and run. And he sounds like it. But he's a lowlife, in my opinion. British-born, self-described liberal. As you can imagine. Here's the Middle East form. 
NBC has announced, and this is back in 2020, that British activist journalist Mehdi Hassan will be presenting the Mehdi Hassan show. Of course, I crush him every Sunday. I think they even, they even moved him. He was once a leading voice within British journalism, outspoken left-leaning circles before becoming a star presenter for the Qatari regime's media arm, Al Jazeera. Perhaps Al Jazeera, notorious home for Islamic extremism, was a comfortable ideological home for Hassan, despite his Shia background. In 2009, he gave a speech at a Shiite mosque in London. Now, I've already told you all this, so I want to remind you of this. told you it all about 10 days ago. And he said, once we lose the moral high ground, we're no different from the rest of the non-Muslims, from the rest of those human beings who live their lives as animals, bending any rule to fulfill any desire. This is 2009. It was also recorded describing disbelief in Islam as an infirmity and provingly citing the the Quranic classification of atheists as a people of no intelligence, quote-unquote. He additionally compared homosexuals to pedophiles and sexual deviants. You know, he has this in common with Joy Reid. Isn't it amazing how MSNBC and Comcast get away with this? Hassan has also appeared to despair of a Muslim's, quote-unquote, losing battles against the Jews whom he warmed had outthought Muslims. Walkingly, in 2019, Hassan apologized for his past comments, 10 years later. He must have been around 30 years old when he expressed his hatred for non-Muslims, atheists, homosexuals. He attributed his bile to the folly of youth. Why, was he 8 years old? He perhaps elicits less sympathy upon accompanying his apology with a complaint, with a complaint rather that his previous hatreds have been used to smear him as an extremist. Well, indeed. Yet Hassan's behavior since his apology does not fit the pattern of a man who's left his extremism behind. You know, the Jews are the occupiers. Continues to regularly speak on platforms alongside Islamist clerics who incite hatred against minorities. Last November, for example, they write, when was this written? Let me see, 2020, October, so a few years ago. Hassan was happy to share stage with Dawood Walid, who preaches about the evils of Jews. A few months earlier, Hassan moderated a debate at a conference with Hatim Bayzian, who was complained about Jews in control of universities and was censured by his employer for tweeting anti-Semitic cartoons. The conference, hosted by the Islamic Society of North America, also featured dozens of the most extreme clerics in America, such as Hasim Kamani, who claims that Muslim men may fulfill any sexual desires with a female slave that belongs to him. When Muslim husbands are learning to train their wives, quote-unquote, beating them, Kamani concedes, should only be a last measure. Is Hassan not merely a Muslim journalist, but an Islamist activist? They asked the question. Certainly his speeches in the past suggest some Islamic leanings. And his regular appearances at Islamic events, as well as his long-standing employment by Al Jazeera, the key media arm of the despotic terror financing Qatari regime, are cause for concern. And so it seems a rather unwise decision by NBC to give him a prominent platform to a man with a history of extreme... Yeah, okay, but they also give it to Sharpton. And others who share the ideology and intelligence 
minimal at that, of, uh, of this man, Mehdi Hassan. Do you ever think you'd live to see the day of something like this? And there he is. Now I want to play it again. Mehdi Hassan on MSNBC Friday, who apologized for being an anti-Semi-bigot and homophobe. Cut 10, go. And it's interesting that he decided to do a rather bold speech linking Ukraine and Israel because a senior G7 diplomat spoke to the Financial Times this week and said, this crisis in Gaza, this war, it means the global south will never listen to us again. They're never going to listen to us about rules-based orders. We're never going to get through to them because they see a double standard. And it's interesting that he did a whole thing about Hamas and Russia and linking them together it was a slightly axis of evilly, uh, pulling them together because they've really got very little in common just when you look at them. Because a lot in the rest of the world would say, okay, if you're going to... No, they have compare- a lot in common, a-hole. He's talking about invading their neighbors and doing horrific things to them. They have a lot in common. Maybe your morality can't pick it up. Go ahead. Biden and a lot of people in America may see Ukraine and Israel as the same. A lot of people around the world see Russia and Israel the same. They see Russia occupying and invading another country and annexing land and dropping bombs on civilians. Let me explain something to you, Nitwit. Gaza was never Palestinian. It was Egyptian. And the Egyptians didn't want it. And the Israelis won it in a war where they lost soldiers. They lost citizens. The West Bank... There was no West Bank until 1948 when the Jordanians grabbed it. In Israel's war for independence. Lands granted to it all the way back to the Ottoman Empire. And after 2,000 years, the indigenous peoples came back to their homeland. Judea and Samaria. He won't even say those words. It's the West Bank. So you know he's a liar. Who else worked for Jazeera? Do you remember, Mr. Bidu? Didn't Al Gore buy into that at some point? I think he did, yeah, Al Gore. Whatever happened to that buffoon? That guy was getting fatter and fatter by the day. And so, as I think about it, it's been an oversight for years. I want to give an honorary appointment to Al Gore on FU, Fatties United. So FU, Al wherever you are, probably slurping down a milkshake. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. One of the hostages they released, an older lady, said it was hell. And they beat her with a pole. They beat her with a pole, but over at the Constipated News Network, they got very excited. Erin Burnett, she got very excited about how they were handling all these tunnels. Uh, you know, Poppy, are they real names? Some things stand out in their mundane necessity. You're talking about tunnels. You know, these tunnels have ventilation. We know they've been known to have air conditioning. It's all been reports that we have heard from the Israelis over the years. But the fact that she's saying that she was held underground for more than two weeks, that there was fact that she was saying uh, the shampoo, there were antibiotics, there was a guard per hostage, uh, the experience she had, that there were medics and paramedics. And obviously she's elderly. The other woman who was released also elderly had medical needs and they had the medicine needed. 
Do you understand? Who's Erin Burnett? She's a know-nothing buffoon that used to talk about finances. She doesn't know a damn thing. Here this woman comes out today and says it was hell. She was brutalized. Well, maybe Erin Burnett will switch places, one of the other hostages, if she's so happy and excited about the conditions. What a bunch of skunks. Natalie Sanandaji, uh, Hamas attack survivor at that uh, peace festival. Uh, I want you to listen to what she had to say. Cut 15, go. As someone who comes from a family, my parents, my father is Iranian. They fled Iran. They fled persecution and either went to the U.S. or Israel. Israel, after the Holocaust, was given back to the Jewish people as their home. And for a long time, a lot of Jews called the U.S. their home. But recently, I, I fear the lone wolf attacks that are happening here. I, I did go through a very serious trauma and attack in Israel, but I feel more protected here than I feel in Israel than I feel here at the moment. I don't feel that enough people are taking these protests and these lone wolf attacks seriously. I think many of us are, but not enough of us. And in fact, the Democrat Party has a home to the supporters of terrorism and Hamas. We know who they are. The FBI director says white supremacists are the greatest danger our country faces. And they put more resources in into putting in prison individuals who trespassed and paraded on Capitol Hill grounds. Again, I'm not talking about violent people, just people. And they've been proud of that. God knows how much money they've spent on Donald Trump and pursuing him. God knows how much time they've spent monitoring you and me, or working with social platforms to censure us, or to go after parents, to go after pro-lifers, Man, are we screwed up. We are really screwed up. I want the people in the media to know I'm not going to stop. I'm going to aggressively expose you. Mehdi Hassan's just the tip of the iceberg. The entire New York Times operation. With these people who work for such a corporation should hang their heads low and be looking at their toes. They don't. They feel proud. Nobody has resigned from any of these media organizations. It means they're all complicit. All of them. By the way, I'm looking at the top 100 books on Amazon. We're not there anymore. And I just counted almost all the books, I can't speak for all of them, almost all of them have not been written by the author. You know, that's a scam, Mr. Producer, don't you think? It's really a scam. We salute all of you heroes out there, American citizens, red-blooded Americans, God bless you, our brothers and sisters in Israel. We really do stand with you. And I'll see you folks tomorrow. God bless. 